I'm Bob Brill, and he's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast, and now a videocast as well. You can hear the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, you can see the videocast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel, or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. During the offseason each week, we'll be taking a look at each NFL team as they prepare for the draft and the upcoming year. This week, our guest is Nick Cosbinder, who covers the Denver Broncos for The Athletic. Nick, it's a pleasure having you with us. Uh, it's been a pretty busy offseason for the Broncos, but first, why don't you recap the season Denver has had briefly? Well, it was the Broncos' fourth straight losing season, uh, finishing 5-11 and 11 in 2020. Um, they have not been back to the playoffs since winning Super Bowl 50. Um, and, you know, it, it was a season that started with, I think, some hope that they were turning the corner you know, Drew Locke had this kind of great rookie audition for five games in 2019. And they went into the last season saying, Hey, this is, this is our guy. This is our young quarterback of the future. Um, it didn't pan out that way. He got hurt week two against Pittsburgh, came back, had real turnover problems. Um, so they ended that season kind of in the same place they've been ever since Peyton Manning retired, which is, you know, where, where do we find a long-term answer at quarterback? Uh, because until they get that figured out, especially in a division that has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Derek Carr in it. Um, they they really got to get the quarterback position solidified. And, and that has, I think, been, uh, especially after they rebuilt built the defense already, I think identifying kind of some options at quarterback uh, is the biggest thing left on the checklist now as they uh, move toward the draft in three weeks. Yeah, and I honestly, I thought Drew uh, Locke, based on what I saw, not only in college a little bit, I didn't watch him a bunch, but a little bit, and then again, those first few games or last few in in uh, the first season he had there, Denver. I mean, it gave me a little, uh, at least, thought that things would sort of progress from there. And as I've been talking to Bob the last couple of years, when quarterbacks, you can kind of tell, kind of like with Carson Wentz this year, you can kind of tell when they get out of rhythm, where they're sort of maybe staying too long on one guy versus kind of moving progressively through the through the route. Um, that's what I th- saw, thought I would see with Drew Locke. Again, a little bit towards the end of the season, but not so much uh, early on. Um, so I guess within the people that are watching the team, um, like yourself, does that give you some pause to his potential at this point? Yeah, you know, I think I'm in the camp that says, listen, he has had 18 pro starts. Um, you know, his rookie year was just five games. And then, as you know, Eric, kind of the, the biggest um, improvement a, a young quarterback can make is from that year one to year two. That's when you've, you've had some of that experience under your belt. Um, then you get to go and, and have the offseason program, um, you know, to be with be with coaches, be with guys. And they didn't have that last year. That, that was a really rough time. And, and obviously the Broncos weren't the only team that dealt with that. But having a young quarterback that had only played five games as a rookie, he really needed that offseason program, I think. And, and it didn't happen. And then when he got injured early in the year, um, that, that kind of hit it too. But, but I do, you, you see, you saw it in flashes, like their, their big, their big win against North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, Carolina Panthers, when he threw four touchdown passes, um, you know, in the, in the finale against, um, against the Raiders, when, when he, when, when he out, outdueled Derek Carr that day, Broncos lost late, but, but he, he, he was the better of the two quarterbacks that day. You, so you see it, you see these flashes where you're like, man, he does have the arm talent. Um, you know, he can fit some throws. He, he's mobile. Uh, th- there's a lot of things to like. It's just that can he become a guy that's more efficient and that really limits the mistakes offensively? I, I still think they have, they have confidence in him, 
Um, but, but, but what's going to be different this year is they're not, they're not going to hang everything on that. They're either going to get a veteran guy or they're going to draft a young quarterback that can learn for a year and, and kind of play it out that way. But, but I, I have, you know, I, I have some reason to believe, I think that Drew Locke, um, you know, still can kind of be that guy, but, but he'll have, he'll have to come and show it from the very start in 2021. If he is the week one starter. Where do they sit as far as draft capital? I mean, you know, they've got a good basis. They got Nova Gordon, although they lose uh, uh, Philip Lindsay. They uh, Patrick came on strong as a wide receiver last year. Uh, so, and, and then they pick up Mike Boone. So, uh, they they look to be pretty set. But at the same time, there's some possibilities they make make a move in the in the draft, right? Yeah. So the big off season priority thus far, the free agency priority was um, solidifying some positions on defense. And that meant a couple things. It meant picking up Von Miller's option. Uh, they, they really missed him last year when he, he was out with the ankle injury. Um, you, you know, I, I think the Broncos wanted to bring him back at a, at a lower number than his 18 million salary he'll make. But uh, ultimately they just decided to pick up his player option or the team option and, and he'll be back. Um, they signed Justin Simmons to a long-term contract, one of the best young safeties in the league. They brought back veteran safety Kareem Jackson on a, on a smaller deal. Um, and then they, the big thing is they went out and got two cornerbacks, Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller, who, uh, Vic Fangio had coached with a lot of success there in Chicago, um, to sort of solidify a position that was a real question mark last year due to, due to various injuries and and some, you know, poor performances and things like that. So this defense has everything it needs for a Vic Fangio, uh, scheme to, to, to really thrive so long as they avoid some of the injury pitfalls that they had. Um, so I, I think draft, when you're talking about the draft, the biggest things they need to do again, identify whether quarterback is going to be what they do there, whether they take that route there, they currently have the number nine pick. Do they trade up to make sure they get one of Justin Fields, Trey Lance or Mac Jones? Do they sit at nine and hope one of them comes to them? Or again, do they say, we're going to go with Drew Locke. We're going to get a veteran in here. Uh, and then you start using that draft capital to, to fill some other needs. They filled the positions on defense for this year. They need to get younger on that side of the ball. And I think that will be kind of a, a draft priority early in the first uh, first few rounds. I'll, one quick little comment out on the quarterback situation, and then I'll leave it. And that is at number nine, you know, there's all the talk about the top four guys coming out. Um, I personally think Mac Jones should be up there. I think to me, he plays the game the way successful guys do in the NFL, and that's by being able to anticipate throws, be very accurate. And he, to me, is a good enough athlete. I mean, he's certainly no Lamar Jackson, okay? But Lamar Jackson's no Mac Jones when it comes to being accurate and getting the ball out. So that would be, I don't think they have to really move much to do that. In fact, I think they could even maybe move back. We'll see. But Yeah, uh, I, I think that the, the, the real kind of bellwether thing there is going to be whether Kyle Shanahan – because a lot of the things you're talking about, Eric, that's what Kyle Shanahan really likes in Mac Jones too. We know he went out and saw him at pro day. They moved up from 12 to three because they're going to pick a quarterback who is going to eventually uh, be the successor to Jimmy Garoppolo, whether that's this year or um, next year. Uh, but for those very reasons you talk about Mac Jones, like he, he believes that Mac Jones is a guy that, um, you know, from everything you hear could, could execute the things Kyle Shanahan wants his quarterbacks to do that. You know, that's sort of what you hear. Um, but it, but if, if the 49ers don't take Mac Jones, then certainly I think there could be, you know, a fall to him where the Broncos could say, Hey, he landed here at nine. Uh, maybe art, you know, maybe we just wait and see if he lands here at nine and, and he could be a guy, 
um, that certainly I think can execute just about any scheme you'd want to have executed, especially one that doesn't require him to necessarily, um, you know, like you said, be a, you know, kind of out of the pocket runner. Uh, he, he's going to, he's going to be efficient. And that's something the Broncos, again, taking care of the football, uh, being more accurate. Th- those are two things they really need better from the quarterback position next year. You know, the interesting yep. thing is, you know, I know Denver and the fans love John Elway. What's not to love, right? But at the same time, at the front office, he's gone through this whole line of busted quarterbacks after Peyton Manning, right? And he had to go out and get Peyton Manning to bring him in from another team at the end of his career. And he, he went through a whole host of guys. Uh, but now it's a different front office, right? And this is sort of working out a little bit differently. And how much else does Elway really have to say about where they're picking here? Yeah, no, I think that John Elway, as you mentioned, um, you know, he, he was in charge of he was the top decision maker for 10 drafts from 2011 to 2020. He's moved into kind of more of an overseer role. And uh, George Payton has come in, the, the, the former right hand man to Rick Spielman in Minnesota, has come in to kind of finally take a job that people around the league have said he's been ready for for a long time. He was just waiting for the right opportunity. And um, yeah, it, it's going to be up to him. T- to your point. Um, Bob, that there's, there's just been just about everything John Elway tried to do to find kind of that next guy after Peyton Manning. He, he drafted a couple seventh round prospects. One of them, Trevor Simeon actually started for a full season in 2016 and compared to some of what's happened, wasn't all that bad. They were nine and seven that year. Um, but you know, you had, you had Paxton Lynch, their late first round pick in 2016, uh, unfortunately ended up being, um, just not, just not being an NFL level player, even though he was selected in the first round. Um, you know, so they've done the stopgap quarterback thing with Case Keenum, with uh, Joe Flacco, guys that were later in their careers that they thought might have had something, um, you know, left left for another few years to, to play at a high level. And it just didn't pan out that way. And then obviously that they went the second round route with Drew Locke, which is still a little bit of a to be determined choice. But the only thing they haven't done is is select kind of a top, you know, top 10 quarterback one of the top prospects in a draft and they have, if they want to take it, the, the opportunity to do that this year. So it will be interesting if George Payton looks at it and says, Hey, this is going to be my best chance probably to, to go up and get one of the top prospects because we don't want to be drafting in this position again. So that, that is the biggest intrigue for the Broncos um, it, with again, the draft three weeks from Thursday, it's, it's coming quick. Nick, you mentioned that the defense uh, though looking solid and maybe free agency is over in terms of acquiring players um, that way. But prior to the draft, I mean, there's still a few weeks left. Do you see the Broncos making any other moves, whether it be offense or defense? But obviously, Fangio being a defensive-minded coach, to me, that might be where, you know, he makes a move. Where could you see the Broncos trying to make a splash, either free agency-wise or possibly via the draft? Yeah, I think they still need to get – one area on defense that they need to improve upon is – um, you know, coverage ability from their linebackers. They have, you know, two um, third-year players last year and Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson, um, you know, who played almost every snap on defense last year. And they were solid, really good against the run, um, you know, solid players, reliable tacklers. But the Broncos have struggled for years in the covering tight ends and running backs department. And a lot of teams have that issue, right? Because these tight ends we see today are not, not the tight ends that we saw, um, you know, 20 years ago. These aren't guys that are just lining up on the end and you know, playing, playing as a third offensive tackle. These are guys who have receiver like skills. And uh, so it puts a lot on linebackers to, to be able to, to, to go with those guys or even safeties for that matter. Um, I, I think the Broncos could look at finding a guy um, who could 
do a little bit better in coverage for them. That's why, um, you know, I thought a guy like Eric Wilson, who is uh, from the Vikings, who's still kind of sitting out there in free agency, obviously George Payton knows him well, um, you know, thought that he might be a candidate to, to be signed. But I think, I think that inside linebacker spot with a priority on a guy, you know, who has good coverage skills will be, I think, a pretty high priority in the draft for them. That's why if they stay at nine or if they maybe trade back a couple spots, keep your eye on Micah Parsons, the Penn State linebacker. I, I think that's a guy, you know, Broncos fans a couple years ago really wanted to see Denver move up to take Devin White, um, you know, the, the, who, who obviously showed what he could do for Tampa Bay in that Super Bowl. So this could potentially be kind of a second chance to get that Devin White type player, um, you know, which, which Micah Parsons has a lot of those same attributes. Well, they let a couple of uh, decent players walk. Big Fanette, of course, Noah Fant came on. Uh, Philip, I know there was a lot of talk about letting Philip Lindsay go, uh, who, who was, you know, playing along with Melvin Gordon, who has had off and on some health issues and, and other issues. But uh, so where does that part of the offense stand for you guys? Yeah, you know, th- that was a really interesting thing last year, um, last offseason. Philip Lindsay, an undrafted guy out of the University of Colorado, played his high school football here in Denver. Um, you know, really a locally beloved young man. He, 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 in his first two NFL seasons, rushed for a thousand yards in each of his first two years, was a pro bowler as an undrafted rookie. It just doesn't happen. And yet after that second one of those in 2019, the, the, the Broncos go out in free agency and pick up Melvin Gordon. And a lot of people are saying, well, what about, what about Philip Lindsay? Um, I think the plan for, you know, for quite a while was to, or the, you know, the plan, the optimal plan going in was, Hey, we're going to use both of these guys in kind of this different dynamic way, um, really keep defenses off balance. And it just didn't work out that way. They, they were injured at different times um, or, or out of the lineup at different times. They never really melded um, in Pat Shermer's offense. Um, and, and the Broncos, I don't think did a good job of, using Philip Lindsay in, in ways that they could get him in space, which is where he is most effective. There was a lot of kind of running him up the middle uh, and as kind of an undersized back just wasn't really his skill set. And, and ultimately that, you know, the decision was made to kind of let him seek other offers in free agency. Um, he signed with the Texans. So now Melvin Gordon, who, by the way, you know, finished 10th in rushing last year, um, you know, had a good close to the season. And obviously he had a, um, you know, an arrest for an alleged DUI and those charges were dropped. So he should avoid a suspension from the NFL. And that's part of why um, they're coming back with him. And uh, but it'll be interesting. I definitely think running back is a situation you mentioned earlier, Bob, they, they got Mike Boone, a, a reserve from Minnesota to come in and, and be a guy that can compete for uh, a spot in that in that running backs room. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Broncos potentially used, you know, maybe a second or third round pick on, on a running back that has some big play potential um, you know, if a guy like Travis Antienne out of Clemson were to fall, um, that would be, I think, a really intriguing choice for them at running back. Nick, you also mentioned earlier, going back to tight ends and how today's tight ends obviously are much different than they were in the past. I mean, Kyle Pitts really <laughs> looks like he runs receiver routes. And right. um, but, you know, you got the talk of, uh, you know, um, Kelsey and Kittle and Darren Waller and could Noah Fant given the year that the development he went from year one to year two, can he be that type of athletic tight end that gives them not only a mid range uh, capability, but down the field up the seam threat. Yeah. Eric, I'm sure you, you wouldn't have minded having like a Kyle Pitts uh, around when you were playing, right? <laughs> Hard to turn down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he just kept handing off to Barry Sanders. So, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> that way, you know, that works too. Um, yeah. Noah Fant is a guy who I think, definitely has that potential. Um, you know, obviously a big, tall athletic player, really fast, um, you know, kind of a four or five type guy. 
Um, and you see it, you see it in flashes, right? Like he can get behind the defense. Um, the, the Broncos, I think, didn't do a good enough job last year, kind of getting him up the seam. And again, there was a lot of turnover at quarterback, different, you know, guys in and out um, to where I, I think his rookie year, um, you know, he averaged about 15 yards a catch that, that went down to about 10 last year. So they got to figure out a way to get him open a little bit deeper. And one thing to keep an eye on is that they drafted last year, Albert Okawebunam in the fourth round. And a lot of people were saying, Hey, well, that's surprising. They just took Noah Fant in the, in the first round a year earlier, but you're seeing more and more in these offenses that having dual tight ends, um, you know, can, can be a real, a real boon to an offense. And I, I think that's something to pay attention to as well. If Albert Okawebunam you know, is lining up on one side on the line of scrimmage and you have no offense split out wide. Now defenses are really having to make tough choices when you have a guy like Jerry Judy lined up in the slot and you have Cortland Sutton on the outside. So, so I think the, the idea has been just get as many playmakers at whatever position as you can. Um, you know, cause again, they're trying to keep up with the likes of the chiefs and, and the, um, and the Raiders and the AFC West who have some real explosive offensive capability. I like Patrick too. He came on, uh, I thought out of nowhere last year. Uh, I, I thought, uh, and he had some really good games, had some off games, but he had some really good games. I wanted to ask about that, but I also asked one to uh, have you talk about the cap space. Where do you, where does Denver sit as far as cap space and if, you know, what they have left after they go through the draft to maybe go out and add a few pieces. Yeah. T- Tim Patrick was a great story. I mean, here's a guy that came undrafted out of Utah, um, you know, had had, in, you know, a really serious leg injury in college that he recovered from. And then, um, you know, kind of got hurt again early in his career, was was battling a depth chart that at the time he came into the league had Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, you know, so he was way down the pecking order. Uh, even going into this season, it, it, you know, it didn't look like there was necessarily like a solidified big role for him. But when Cortland Sutton went down with an ACL injury in week two, Tim Patrick stepped up, you know, big time. He ended up being their leading touchdown catch uh, target with six of them. Um, you know, again, a, a career year for him. And, and that, that's what helped earn him that second round tender as a restricted free agent. So a big, a big race for him and an opportunity to go out and show in a, in a kind of a contract year that he's a guy that's deserving of a big contract, whether it be from the Broncos or, or somewhere else. Um, and to, to your, to your question about cap space, the Broncos, you know, they, they obviously signed a lot of their own players back this year, guys like Shelby Harris, Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson picked up the Von Miller option. Um, and, and, you know, and then their outside signings were Ronald Darby uh, averaging about 10 million a year. Um, the one year, $10 million uh, deal for, um, for Kyle Fuller, but most of those contracts were, are, are backloaded. So the cap hits in 2021 are all pretty low. So the Broncos are essentially at the same place they were when they started free agency around that $30 million mark. Uh, so obviously plenty of, plenty of money to, to sign the draft class that they're about to draft, uh, but also should have wiggle room in the event that, Hey, if something happens where a, a team unexpectedly, you know, drafts a quarterback and makes their veteran available already, we know, I think that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be on that market as, as kind of a, a backup slash potential bridge starter, you know, what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco. So the Broncos, you know, as they continue to evaluate ways to add to their quarterback room, um, I think are in a, in a good position to be able to take on salary uh, from a quarterback, a veteran quarterback, if, the, if that's what it takes in order to get another guy in here who could either replace Drew Locke or, or be competition that will push him in training camp. This week, our guest, Nick Kosminder, who covers the Denver Broncos for The Athletic. Uh, Nick, a pleasure having you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, gentlemen. I appreciate it.
You got it. There you have it. Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast, now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Lipsum, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at Kramerandbrill.com. Right there in the bottom of your screen. That's the easiest way, Kramerandbrill.com. For my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill. We'll see you next time.